Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program's moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast, the first postgame podcast of the 2022 and Brent Venables era, and we're doing it for the spring game right here, right now. Uh, it is a Sunday, uh, April 24th, 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 24th yeah, because I, I said 22 just a second ago, so instantly I almost said April 22nd, that'd be Earth Day, uh, but it is April 24th. Uh, 2022, as Josh Pate says, <laughs> the day of our Lord. So uh, that's one of the cool entrances, by the way, in all of everything. Uh, so anyways, yeah, it, the red beat the white in a packed, a packed palace on the prairie of 75,360 Sooners fans yelling and screaming and cheering everything on. We'll talk about the Reds win 21-17 over the white team. We'll talk about Baker Mayfield statue, everything that kind of encompassed that. Uh, we'll talk about the first half. The first half was pretty much the only meaningful part of that scrimmage. And I, I'm not saying that the second half wasn't meaningful as far as getting reps for the back, but we got to see the majority of the starters in the first half or who we perceive to be the starters. Is that, that, is that a better way of putting it? Because sounds to, there, it sounds to me like you left at halftime, Brandon. That's what I heard. I didn't, but you know what? 40,000 other people did. Uh, <laughs> so shame on you all. Shame, shame, shame. I'm, I'm Game of Thronings with the uh, lady. Shame, shame, shame. Um, yeah, that was a little odd to see the fans just exit stage left uh, after Baker Mayfield's statue reveal. That, I mean, and they did it in hordes. Like it wasn't just like a little bit. I mean, they left in hordes, but at the same time, that was the longest first half spring game I've ever been to in my life. Like it was long. They treated it like an actual game. The, the, the fans got their money's worth and they got to see the reveal. 
and we'll talk about Baker. We'll talk about standouts uh, during the spring game. We'll talk about post-game presser, stuff that was talked about with Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, Ethan Downs, uh, Danny Stutzman. Uh, I, you know, there's a, there's a long list of players that we got to interview, and then we're going to talk about recruiting. Uh, and there was close to 120-something maybe. I'm just guessing. I know there was over a hundred recruits there. Did you you saw it wrapped all the way around the end zone, right? Like oh, both yes. sides. Oh yes, I I've did. never seen that many recruits at an OU function before. Have you? No, I have not. It was insane, folks. Insane. But on top of that, there was a lot of top targets there. So we've got a lot coming for you on this post-game podcast edition of the Sooners 2022 spring game. Uh Parker, how you doing, man? Uh Long day yesterday, long night, everything. We didn't get done to doing interviews till 8 p.m. Man, you know, it's, I feel like we're both drinking from a fire hose right now in terms yeah. of post game analysis, photos, video, and talking to all these recruits that dropped in. And so, yeah, it'll be a, be a busy couple of days for us, but it was great to see some football at Owen Field again yesterday. And it felt like I know Brent Venables has technically been Oklahoma's head coach for nearly five months now, but yesterday really felt like the grand opening. It felt like yeah. day one in an official sense. Let's, let's talk about that because I think for us as media people, we've gotten to see Brent live and in person. We've watched him at practices. We've seen, we've seen the speeches and all that. I mean, the fans have seen it from afar as far as social media access and all the stuff that they've shown, like, this is Oklahoma stuff and all that, you know, or welcome to Oklahoma. Say welcome to Oklahoma and all that type of stuff. And, but they haven't got to see the live action version of the, the head coach Brent Venables. They see the, the pullback guy at Clemson. They saw it at Oklahoma when he was wild and crazy, but this version midfield, talking about all the number one teams in the program listed off like five different programs that are number one in the country in the athletic department. Uh, he, he, he paid homage to everybody. I mean, that is involved in the athletic department, which was awesome to do. That shows you the, the, how invested he is not just in the OU football program, but in the sense of the, uh, uh, I guess the overall athletic department. And then on top of that, you have just the speech he gave with the, the alumni base that was there. I thought that was really cool. Uh, the, the photo taken, I, PJ Mills was up in the press box with us. And I asked him, I said, and he'll, he publicly will say this, PJ, well, I have a problem with saying this. Though. I said, do you feel more open to how things are going now than you did previously? And he said, without question. Without question. He didn't get to partake in a lot of the events because he had a daughter that was sick and whatnot. But at the same time, the fact that he was invited to everything, the fact that he was asked, and you talk about one of the top wide receivers ever in OU history. And he was basically shunned with the previous regime. Like, 
I don't know, Parker, you, you tell me the, the vibe that you got, you were standing on the sidelines with a lot of the guys down there, the, the, the former players and stuff like that. What was the vibe you got from being down there on that field with them during that ball game? Man, everybody was just having a good time. And it was crazy, Brandon. I've never seen anything like it just to see so many ex sooner legends all gathered within literally yards of each other. I mean, at one point I'm sitting down there in the South end zone with my camera, taking photos, taking video. I look to my left and here's Gerald McCoy. I look to my right and here's CD lamb look past him. There's Perion Winfrey and Ramondre Stevenson standing there with Creed Humphrey. Uh, it's just, and then obviously you got Steve Owens in his sport coat and Jason White in his polo, <laughs> Kyler Murray in his baseball jersey. Man, just it. There was something so unique about it all, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, all these sooner legends that I grew up watching or covered in recent years, or am not old enough to have watched, but have heard the stories about. They're all here in one place at the university of Oklahoma on the same turf that they once graced as players. And they're here to mark the new dawn for Oklahoma football. They're there to celebrate Baker Mayfield. Sure. But they're also there to build up the program under the direction of Brent Venables and under the leadership of Brent Mm -hmm. Venables, Brian Bosworth pulled Venables aside for about a minute on the field after they all took their big alumni picture and it was way too loud down there to be able to glean what those two were saying, but man, just, just to see Brent Venables interacting with arguably the most, what's, what's the word? Not most decorated. I would say iconic is probably a good word with the guy that could be the most iconic sooner of all time. And Mm -hmm. in all honesty, he's maybe, (laughs) he's maybe not even top 10, among the best football players in attendance. Ooh, ooh, hot take by Parker there. Oh, come ooh, on. Oh, my on. gosh. Oh, man. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, now you've said that. We've got to do this. Okay. In attendance yesterday, who was the top 10? Who's top 10? Don't do recency bias because you're 23 years old. Okay, who sorry. So, no, sorry. I, the, reason, the reason I say that is because Boz only played three years in the NFL, right? So if we're talking about collegiate he career. He got hurt, sure. yeah, but he's he still wasn't. Everybody labels him as a bust. If you talk to people that were actually around, I actually rewatched that that Seattle Seahawks, Oakland, the famed, you know, Bo ran over everybody, Boz. Bosworth had an amazing ball game that game. Like, and people forget about how well he played that ball game. So, I don't, okay, who was top 10 in attendance? I want to, I want to hear this now. That, that's a good topic. That's an amazing topic, actually. Wow. All time players okay. in attendance. Yeah. You got to um, go Adrian Peterson, number one. That's, that's easy. Okay. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this, the conversation that we're having about Bosworth is exactly the conversation we would have about Billy Sims, right? Nobody would argue Billy Sims is one of the greatest players in the history of college football, but as far as his overall football career, it was on track to be legendary. He had four 1000 yard seasons for the lions in his first six years in the NFL, but then it was cut short with that knee injury. So that's maybe why I don't regard the boss as uh, one of the truly elite greats, the likes of Adrian Peterson, guys who not only were 
excellent at the collegiate level, but went on to long and distinguished professional careers. Man, I don't know. Offhand, I wasn't prepared to make a top ten. <laughs> Adrian Peterson's up. There. I know this is uh, just just yeah. Just tell everybody this is this is off the cuff, folks. Don't 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 be mad. We're just thinking off the top of our head, right quick. Yeah, Not a lot of deep thought in it. Uh, Demarco Murray is up there, certainly. Mm-hmm. Gerald McCoy has to be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Trent Williams there? Yes. That's why he I stood on. He stood on the sideline, the west side, the whole time. Yep. Okay, but yeah, Trent Trent Williams is absolutely on that list. Um, I don't know. Baker probably isn't top ten yet. Kyler might be top ten, maybe. Well, Baker's top ten. So is Kyler. No, we're talking about all time Sooners. I I guess I'm thinking more about their professional careers, but but you know if that if you want to if you want to roll the two together, then. Yeah, those two, Steve Owens, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised Billy Sims wasn't there because. Right. I wonder you know, what's that's, up with that. is, Isn't that typically the type of event where he'd be Boomer. there in his OU suit <laughs> yelling Boomer? Yeah. yeah. So that was interesting. But no, like yesterday was an outstanding opportunity for everybody to witness the new family environment that Brent Venables mm-hmm. has put into practice at Oklahoma. It's one thing to preach family. It's another to put it into practice. And right. Brent Venables is truly putting it into practice and he's making the alumni of the program feel valued in a way that I don't think they have before. And they feel a connection to the program in a way that they probably didn't previously. Grant Calcaterra was there. He was. Yep. Grant Calcaterra showed up. And that is a one case study on alumni relations the fact that you even have the conscious thought to bring grant calcaterra back seeing as how Mm -hmm. he's a guy that didn't graduate from ou didn't finish his collegiate career with ou and if the former head coach were still at the controls grant calcaterra probably isn't coming back to norman anytime soon but that's how intentional this entire staff and support staff has been in interacting with alumni that somebody like grant calcaterra isn't going to fall through the cracks just because they didn't graduate or didn't finish with the program. If you played football at the university of Oklahoma for any length of time in any capacity, you're going to have friends and advocates and connections throughout the program. Nick Basquin was there. Yeah. A guy that, you know, was a local product out of Norman North came to Oklahoma as a walk-on made sporadic contributions, but was never a star player. Uh, so again, it's, it's not necessarily just about bringing back the Adrian Petersons and the Trent Williams of the world. Right? It's about the Nick yeah. Basquins and the Grant Calcateras guys. That, Kenny, you know, Kenny the, Steels the, and Tony Jefferson were there too. Yeah. I mean, the, the typical casual Sooner fan may not think of all those guys off the top of their head and think, you know what? Yeah. These are, these are the guys that need to be back for a big event like this, but it says a lot about Brent Venables and the people that he's put into place around him. Uh, that guys like Nick Basquin and Grant Calcaterra showed up. I think that maybe says more than Kyler Murray or CD lamb or Adrian Peterson showing up. Well, uh, you brought up CD lamb. I thought that was interesting that he did considering how close he is with Dennis Simmons and, you know, them being at USC that shows you the university's power. It's not just the coach. It's the university. It's the program. And I thought that was that was really neat to see Lamb 
and uh, Hollywood Brown, obviously coming back. And you know what? Baker and the presser, I know fans are going to be mad about this, but Baker brought up Lincoln Riley in the presser, and he said, fans may not like it, but I'm still close to them. They've meant a ton to my career. I'm very close with Lincoln. I just talked to him yesterday. Uh, That's not going to change. But that doesn't mean he can't be close with this staff and that he can't be a part of this program moving forward. And that's his, that's what he intends on doing. I mean, Baker is going to have a camp in Norman. Like he's doing the things that he used to do when he was here right after he left and is doing it in a big way again. Like he, he feels more open. I think, I think in a weird way, like I think, even Baker kind of didn't, I think things were at a far, you know what I mean? Like kind of arm's length. Cause he didn't even come back. Did he come back for the, uh, champion barbecue last year? Do you remember? I, I can't recall. I can't recall. I remember Jalen hurts was there, which he was a guy that didn't show up, which I thought would have. Uh, even though he was only around Lincoln and he'd only been around the program for a year, I was actually kind of shocked. He didn't show up, but you know, it's a, it's a weird time. There's a lot of things going on too. So, I mean, you can't really fault people for not being there. Um, I, I, I think overall that was a massive success. I mean, could, could you call it anything other than that? When you get 75,000, Josh Pate from, uh, you know, 247 Sports, Late Kick. Everybody watches him, does his lives and stuff like that. And he's a, a good guy, one of our friends. And he tweeted out yesterday, OU fans are about to show out today, early in the morning. And then retweeted a photo of Mike Halk, the OU SID, um, where he basically said, OU fans showed out like in the past tense with a photo of the stadium and it completely packed out except for this little like 10,000 seat area up in the uh, top corner, top, the very third level upper deck that didn't all the way feel, probably filled a quarter of the way up. But still the fact that the whole rest of the stadium was completely filled up upper deck on the West side, East side, second deck, the third deck had a quarter of the way filled up for a spring game shows you the power of the university of Oklahoma. And that isn't a Homer statement. That's not talking, you know, sunshine pumping or anything like that. That's a fact. That is a fact. And then you add Baker Mayfield statue celebration, which I thought, you know, there were media members getting emotional up in the upper in the press box over that, the video and everything like that. Because I think when you look back at it and you kind of remember that, that was a very, that was like peak Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Like, like with the Switzer area, like with the, with the attitude, with the, you got the Hollywood Browns, the personalities, Hollywood CD, Baker, Mark Andrews, um, all the Orlando Brown, like you had some personalities, Sterling Shepard around, like there were some personalities around back then. And that was like peak Oklahoma. That's like what everybody always knows the program for is those brash outgoing personalities that are very outspoken. That's where I think, you know, 
Dylan Gabriel is going to be a lot like that. He's a very fun-loving guy. I don't know that he's going to be brash like Baker. I don't know that he's going to say things like this. How about that? But let, let's let's get this one rolling here. I was going to keep it uh, pretty appropriate. So the flag plan was never going to happen. <laughs> uh, they, they gave me a couple options, and uh, I, I thought no better way to uh, you know keep a statue in the state of Oklahoma than for it to be a stiff arm of your little brother. I mean, forever. They have to deal with that one. Baker with everything. That right there, I don't know. Did you hear that? I know, fans. I I, I don't. Ha- I didn't have it ready. I just decided randomly to get this plan for us. So that's that. pretty peak Baker. That's peak Baker. I was trying not to laugh when he said that, and I'm standing like sitting two feet, five feet. Well, probably about five feet in front of him. So it was pretty funny. Um, and everybody, you kind of look around, and everybody, even all the media members are laughing. He had a couple of nudge, and they're like, "Oh, that was just about what you expected." He could, he had to get that one last slide in before he walked out. So, um, but that's the personalities that Oklahoma has been ingrained with for years. Boz, the Selman brothers, uh, you know Charles Thompson, the the Jamel Holloways, the Keith Jacksons. Like those are. Those are names that are ingrained in anybody that follows college football. You know those names, and they were there. They were there yesterday. That is how historic that day was to have all those personalities, all those great names merge in Norman for a spring game. For a spring game. And Folks, if you don't think that didn't wasn't noticeable for the recruiting aspect of it, whew, you're mistaken. You are mistaken. Um, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. We talked about all the ambiance around it. We've talked about the the pomp and circumstances, everything, the baker, the 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 venables at midfield, rallying, you know, getting a rise out of the crowd early on. Uh the the all of that stuff. What, what did you think of the locked arms before we do that? And the fans reaction to that. For those that don't know, they locked arms like at, what was it? The, the 50 or the 30, 45 ish, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And they, everybody locks arms and all the way across the field and they do it in rows and they walk hand in hand, locked arms all the way to the goal line. Venables waits on them. They break down. And then they separate and go their ways to their their positions. What did you think of that? I mean, is that is that something that you think? Uh, do you think that'll be something that the fans stop cheering for every time they do it? Or do you think it's going to be much like um, the punt at the end of warmups, where everybody gets up and cheers when they meet at midfield? Yeah, no, I, I think I think it'll it'll stick and it'll be something that the fans get up for every single time because it's uh, it's well, it's part of the Brent Venables experience. It's part of the new experience at Oklahoma. It's part of the new normal. And so, yeah, I would expect that they'll continue doing it. I would expect it'll be met with the same reaction and it's a really cool little gesture uh, both for the fans as well as for the team. And uh, man, I think the coolest part about it is they get to the goal line and dudes get hyped. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they were going nuts when that happened. I mean, that was about it. That was when you kind of felt that, okay, this is that. I actually turned to Joey Helmer, our editor, 
who's up in the press box with me. And I said, dude, this feels like a game at this point. Like it doesn't feel like a spring game now. Like everything around it just started feeling by each passing minute more and more like a regular season ball game in Norman, in which I think it's going to pay dividends again on the recruiting trail for Oklahoma in long-term. And I think it's going to pay dividends with the fan base and their, uh, the passion that it brings. Cause I think if you can get the fans to be more passionate during the ball game, especially moving to the sec, you're going to have to be loud. That was something Venables kept stressing. You've got to be loud no matter what you've got to be loud, deafening loud to where you can cause issues with the ball game. And I, I think as it moves closer to September, you're going to start hearing those type, that type of talk from Venables because he's going to want the fans to understand how he means that, like how much that means to him in that program. So uh, did you did you pay attention after the game when they did the alumni thing? Because I, w- I, w- I was in the yes. red room at that point. I didn't get to see it. No, I mean, that, that I mentioned at halftime that they were going to do was that they'd all stay yep. on the field together and they'd sing the alma mater. And uh, again, <laughs> anything that Venable says is going to be done. It's not going to be empty promises. That much yep. is evident, right? And so that's... That's going to be something that you can expect every single game. And I would not, I would not expect a single player to head to the locker room early because I would hate to face the wrath of Brent Venables. If I were feeling like a prima Donna one day (laughs) after a game and decided to trot off the field a little early, I can imagine that would not be met with a great degree of charity. I suppose <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to put that. Um, did the fans, did the, how many fans actually stuck around? Cause again, I'm in, I'm in the red room at that point getting ready for the presser that we waited on. Yeah, forever. I, I mean, people were, people were streaming out. There are, you know, there's kind of that contingent that stays every single game up until the alma mater gets sung and then they kind of go on their way. But uh, no, I would say pro- there were 20,000 people that stuck around. There was a good chunk of the attendance or the audience that was in attendance uh, that stuck around for that. I think it is going to be something that builds as people get used to it because it's so new that they're not used to it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be where there was a close ball game. I think that's and and everybody stays till the very end and Oklahoma pulls it out at home and they sing the alma mater and everybody's doing it with passion and, you know, vigor because they're all excited over the, the, the close win over a good team or whatever. I think that's where you're, you're going to start seeing that movement become a tradition right now. It's they're trying to make it a tradition. Something has to happen for it to be a tradition. And I think it's going to take something like that for that to take place. Uh, but as far as the game goes, I mean, can we, I would, I would, I would label the first half, even majority of the game of success. I would label uh, the MVP have to be Javante Barnes, right? Like uh, that's without question, right? Mm, I think. Well, I, I mean, think there's competition. Yeah, there's Marvin Mims is up there with competition. Marvin Mims had, I think, Marvin Mims yeah. had even a better game than the stat sheet would indicate, too. Yes, um, I would agree. Tawi Walker, whom we was have good. talked about, he also fumble, had a really though. nice game. Yeah. Yeah, the fumble, but I mean, you know, guy gets a helmet on the ball. It can be tough to hang on to. And he was diving like he was trying to leap into the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a mistake that 
is going to have to be accounted for in the future. And it's something that he's certainly going to be mindful of whenever he's about to cross the goal line from mm-hmm. now on, he's going to have that embedded in the back of his head. But you know, it's one of those mistakes that you make once and then never again. Right. So right. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think judging by the reactions he got from the coaches when he trotted off, I don't think they were all too upset with it because he had gotten them the vast majority of the way down the field before uh, he fumbled it away at the goal line. He'd made some nice plays on that drive to that point. So uh, he had a really, really nice game. Uh, We have talked about him on OU Insider VIP uh, as one guy that was kind of surprisingly standing out uh, throughout the early portions of spring practice. And he appears to have maintained that momentum. Uh, obviously benefited greatly from the absence of Marcus Major yesterday and kind of getting some increased run in that regard. On the defensive side, Brandon, I don't, I don't know how many people took notice of it or even left with the cognizance that this dude had a really productive game. But, man, Marcus Stripling, I would say, was he, he might have been the most impactful defensive player. He had something like three or four sacks. Yeah, he was – look, hey, Venables came out just this past week and said it's crazy watching Marcus Stripling grow up before our very eyes, he said. He goes, the Marcus Stripling that they got whenever they showed up in January to the Marcus Stripling at the end of April, he said, is night and day different and a completely different human being. He said he has grown up. He isn't doing the things off the field and on the field that he normally would have done He's become a leader in the in the locker room. He's doing all sorts of things that were questioned about Marcus Stripling. The talent was always there. Oh, always yes, there. it was. Oh, yes, it was. He couldn't put it together because he mentally wasn't able to do it because of the maturity aspect. And that is that's what's taking hold is Chavis and Bates and Venables have, have basically wrapped their arms around him and said, dude, if you want to be the guys that we've coached at other places, you've got to do it here and now, and it's all up to you. You've got to look yourself in the mirror, and it's up to you. And I think that was a, a, a turning point. It's very Wanye Morris-esque, right? Like how he yes. had to, he, he, they, they both had to look themselves in the mirror and say, why does no matter who's coaching me, there's always a problem? Could it be me? And it was him. And he's realized that. And he's owned up to it. He has owned up to it himself and said so. So that is huge. That edge position was something that they were looking at potentially going and trying to get a portal guy. I don't know that you do that now when you've got Downs, uh, Lulu, uh, you've got uh, Stripling, and I'm trying to think who else off the top of my head. I do not that. think they need another edge. Yeah, I don't either. I'm trying. Who's the fourth guy that that's notoriously the edge guy uh, for them? Uh, well, you have Clayton Smith. Clayton Smith well. was in there a um, little bit. Uh, Maurice Wren, the transfer yeah. from Texas State. Oh my gosh! Oh, Reggie Grimes, dude. Oh, and Reggie Grimes. Yeah, I, he had a really good spring game too. So, yeah, like that, you want to talk about a dude that looks different. Yeah, he's, Reggie Grimes he's looks different. Up. Yeah, he's yoked up. For Reggie sure. Grimes got that body by Schmitty going on. Yeah, he's yoked up. I mean, they're they're set. Ethan Downs had a huge game, uh, forced fumble twice, I think. Right, 
and uh, he had one. No, no, he one recovered. One, one recover because Justin Harrington, which we were going to yep. talk about, her at Justin here. Hey, welcome back, welcome back, Mr. Harrington. I mean, he's playing well from all accounts. Everybody's like this guy. Talk about another guy that has matured. Can you imagine what that? Uh, you know, the soul programs done for a lot of these players. Is it not amazing to see just how these are players, folks that we were hearing were just not picking it up maturity. They weren't trying to, they weren't doing the right things inside the locker room, inside the meeting rooms, inside the weight room. They weren't doing the things on the practice field they should be doing. And now all of a sudden, they're making plays on the spring game and you're hearing nothing but glowing reports back. Like Justin Harrington, since he Venables put it like this, he said he deserved grace and we thought he deserved grace. We were going to give him grace. He's not, it's not going to be easy for him to earn our trust. And he's still earning the trust from everybody. This is almost verbatim what he said. Mm -hmm. He goes, but he's doing it. And he's taking into account that it's his fault that this took place. There's fault to be blamed maybe by the other staff a little bit, but a lot of it still hinges on you can control your attitude and his attitude from all accounts. And that's literally verbatim. What I was told by source the other day was that dude's attitude has been nothing but pristine since he showed up. He listens and he does what he's told to do. And you got to see it again, the spring game. He made plays when needed when he was called upon, he made it. And that's what he's going to have to do to get, that playing time and get that scholarship back. So I think that uh, who would you say were the top, I don't know, five standouts yesterday. Uh, for me, it starts with strip. I was yeah. really, really impressed by what I saw from him. Uh, got to throw in Javante Barnes and Tawi Walker. I mean, you got to be really confident about the backfield picture in Norman, Oklahoma, after right. watching the way that those two guys performed yesterday, Barnes, I mean, he validated a lot of the hype and he didn't even really get the opportunity uh, to bounce it outside and get in space because the defense did such a good job of containing him. We saw no, one time he did it. Yep. And he almost made we, the end zone. We, and I think that was, it wasn't as much so about the standouts on defense as much as it was about the overall effort and mm -hmm. guys flowing to the ball, guys getting downhill to the ball carrier and, 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 and it not being the type of situation where, uh, you got in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations. It's the tackler or the ball carrier. Either he's going to be brought down in the open field or he's going to make the guy miss. Oftentimes, uh, when a ball carrier got into space, there would be two or three guys that converged on him. And so uh, I was really impressed with the overall effort from the defense. And I Strip was probably the one to me that stood out the most. Uh, I I. I saw some nice plays from Jaden Davis and Kenai Walker looked really good as well. So if there were, if there are kind of three guys that I would highlight on defense, I would probably go Davis, Kenai Walker, Marcus Stripling, and of course, an obligatory nod to Danny Stutzman, who was flying all over the field yeah. as he does. I think we've just been kind of conditioned to expect excellence from him at this point. Offensively, man, you gotta, gotta be impressed with Javante Barnes, Tawi Walker with Marvin Mims, kind of the same deal. Uh, you've come to expect it with him. Uh, he's, he's the best receiver on the field <laughs> on just about any football field. He steps on, uh, the play we haven't even talked about yet was Jaden Gibson getting deep for a 95 yard touchdown. <laughs> and 
it is it has been a while brandon since oklahoma had a receiver that big that could move like Jaden gibson he was flying wasn't he and look he was he beat a walk-on okay he beat dorian plumley so take it with a grain of salt but i think what we saw yesterday from Jaden gibson uh in terms of his route running ability uh his physical readiness to play the collegiate game at full speed Mm-hmm. I th- this is a guy that I can see having some iota of an impact in year one. And I think, and we've talked about what an asset he's going to be in the red zone by virtue of the size. Now he's almost a guy that you have to put in the game when you're in the red zone, just because you either got to make the defense account for the six foot five guy on the outside, or you just line them up and throw it to him because there's going to be very few defensive backs in the country who are going to be able to out jump him. So uh, Jaden Gibson, uh, to me, probably more than anything else yesterday, gave himself a lot of confidence heading into the summer and the fall. And I think with that big play as kind of the feather in his cap this spring, I think he'll come back to summer workouts and fall camp uh, ready to make even more of a push for playing time in that receiving core, which is going to be deep and going to be competitive. No doubt. I, look, I, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Um, the receiving core, I, they, they, I think they need one more guy, you know? You think so? Yeah, I think they need one more. Um, just for depth. Uh, because I think... They're going to get Nick Anderson back, though. Nick Anderson. Yeah, play that, that's true, but... Okay, even with that, and he before he got injured, he was a guy that everybody was talking about making plays and doing all that type of stuff. So that's that's a that's a you know a, a nice added piece. But I think if you can add a playmaker that can help out Stoops, Farouk, and Mims, um, you you got to do it right and and. Like am I am I missing some and, and Braden Willis obviously I think those are going to be your four guys to start, but I I think you you got to do that if you can add somebody that can be a guaranteed three four hundred yard guy to that roster you've got to do it through the portal you have to I just think that was I think that's 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 a necessity at this point. Um, uh, by the way, I thought Parker at the tight end position was – he was pretty good. He looked nice, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Um, he, moves, he moves a lot better. every time We say that every time we see him. We're like, no way, he does. He moves a lot better than I thought he was going to move. And he's, he's a better receiver than I thought he was going to be. So. He was a guy that came to college as a defensive end, Brandon. Consider yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the top five guys – I think it's easy to throw Dylan Gabriel in there because I thought he played well uh, considering and people don't understand how hard that is to one, not have your. So when Mims is in there running routes, he's normally with Farouk Stoops and Willis, right? So everything is timed off how those routes are ran as well. So everything's timing. And when you throw Mims in there with say Cody Jackson, and a uh, Jaden Gibson, for instance, and a Parker, 
at the tight end spot, the timing changes on how you have to go through your progressions because everybody gets to their routes at a different set. So when he's flipping from one side to the other and playing for white, then he's playing for red. He's got all these different uh, combinations of receivers out there and running backs that changes so much as a timing. And I asked both Mims and I asked uh, Dylan Gabriel that, and they broke it down. I wish I could uh, give you the exact quote to it all, but essentially Dylan Gabriel in a roundabout way said, look, uh, it's tough because when you have guys running a certain route, you're used to them being there at that certain time. And when they're in with somebody else, maybe that guy runs their route a little bit quicker than, you know, the group that that person's in with. So he's having to go through his progressions at a different rate and a different speed. And that screws the timing up. And that's where you kind of saw some of the inconsistencies yesterday. I think a little bit with the timing and stuff like that. But when they're, when you have Brayden Willis, Marvin Mims, Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops all in at the same time, they're going to flow a lot better because he's going to be used to, his progressions, boom, 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 instead of boom, 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 type deal. And that's just a, a generalized example of how quick he had to do it. Maybe he didn't have to go through that quick, but it's just, it's not easy. And Mim said the same thing. He said, maybe they run their route. Everybody's supposed to run the same depth, but maybe they do it. It's a little bit different, a little bit different rate. The person there may be supposed to like rub off of the, off of like, you know, combo routes and stuff like that. Everything's different. So the timing's different and they had to really work on that so much so that the players called an impromptu walkthrough yesterday morning before the football game and in Friday afternoon, the players did that accountability on this team is at an all time high. The players are doing the things and Venables, when he spoke about that stuff, he was grinning ear to ear, man, like, he was so excited about that. He's like, that's what we've been trying to teach. And that's what it's finally starting to hit in their head. And you see them taking shape and all that type of stuff. So um, I, I, I'll go with Gabriel. I think Gabriel was one of the standouts. I thought he played well, considering the fact that he had to go to both sides. He threw an interception one point, then hits Marvin Mims for a long touchdown. So uh, there, there is a lot going on here. Uh with him uh, uh, as far as that game goes. And then I, I would have to go, obviously, Javante Barnes would be another guy. I thought, like you said, tough, rugged uh, player that he's going he's gonna to be a dude. He's going to be a dude for OU for years to come. Uh, and I think everybody's also excited to get Gavin Solchuk out in that mix. And Adam Art. Marcus Major, I think he has a chance to be really, really good moving forward when he's healthy. So you had you got Tawai Walker to that. There's some depth in that running back room that wasn't there last year. Um, Marvin Mims is a standout. I think defensively, I would have to go with uh, you. You name Strip, I'll go with Ethan Downs, and I'll, I'll you know another guy that stood out was Jaron Kanak. He had a good. I was game. I was going to bring him up if you didn't because he made he some plays good, yesterday yes, as well. He did. He oh he flew sideline to sideline, 
there may not be two better sideline sideline guys on that team than Stutzman and Kanak. Those they guys, look, I like that's what that's what Jaron Kanak looks like. He looks like a clone of Danny Stutzman. Yes, but he's like he's they play he's the exact out, same way. Yeah. Um, I know. Can I Walker got beat? Um, but I thought he played pretty well. All things considered, I thought Jaden Davis played pretty well at the cornerback position. And I thought Justin Harrington and Key Lawrence were, you know, players. I, I Another cool thing I want to add to that Jaden Gibson, there's two things. Jaden Gibson play that you brought up, and I think it goes without saying that he was a standout yesterday. That play alone was huge. He dropped the pass. He got all excited the first pass. Then he made the next play. And it was massive. Uh, but uh, did you see Miguel Chavis during that play? Did you see <laughs> Miguel Chavis is a wild man. I, I, I love that. I like I've only seen him on the field for one exhibition. I already want Miguel Chavis to be the head coach in waiting. 15, <laughs> 20 years, whenever, whenever Brent Venables decides to hang it up, make Miguel Chavis the next head coach. I'm sold. Did you see it though? Like, did you see what he did? Oh, yes. He's folks, he's chasing down. Now, obviously, not literally chasing down, but on the sideline, he's chasing down, running alongside uh Jaden Gibson as he's going into the end zone. And as he crosses the end zone, Chavis throws his hat all the way in to the end zone to midfield. I mean, first off into the wind and he got it that far. That was impressive enough alone, but Ethan Downs is running. He picks it up and he's like, what in the heck coach? He throws it back to him. Uh, and then Miguel Chavez proceeds to chase down a couple of his coaching mates and starts to tackle them. And they were like running from him on the sideline. It was a pretty funny sequence. Uh, just his like, his exuberance, his excitement for the game, I think is is unmatched, even by Brent Venables. I don't think he can match Miguel Chavis with that. Now, I think Brent Venables would take that as a challenge, but Miguel Chavis is just different breed, man. He's a different breed. Um, the the other thing I, I wanted to touch on was, did you see Justin Broyles on the sideline? No, I didn't. So in the first half, I, I believe he was with the white, right? Because what was the white on the yes. home side? Yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, the white was, was on the white. west side. Okay, he was with the white. He calls the secondary in after Mims scores that touchdown. This is like right after the big play. And he proceeds to rip them. I mean, rip them for about five minutes, just screaming and yelling. And Coach Valai is just standing behind him with his arms crossed, shaking his head. Yeah, like I'm looking down in the press box watching this take place. And he's like, so Broyles walks out. Valai proceeds to rip him again as they're doing that. <laughs> but they played so well after that. Like, I thought the white defensive backfield played so much better after that. And I think that's something, again, player accountability. They're listening to these guys, these leaders on the team. Broyles doesn't start but he has such a heart for the program and the players know that. I thought that was one of the cooler moments of the whole day was that sequence right there, all of that. So 
I don't know. I, I'll give Justin Broyles up there too. I know people hate hearing about him. Some people are like, oh, well, they, they just, they still hold a grudge from 2019. Uh, they just can't get over it. But he's such a leader and such a, a, a necessity for this program. I think in, in everything happens for a reason, but I think for him to be there, like this, this culture fits everything that is Justin Broyles. Does it not? No, it does. And I want to offhand, is he the only guy remaining from the Sooners 2017? Yeah, that was Baker. I thought about that yesterday. He's like, he played with Baker. He's the only one that played with Baker on the team left. I'm pretty sure like, unless I'm spacing on somebody, he's the only guy left from that team in 2017. Yep. Royals. Yep. Nope. Casey Kelleher, the long snapper. It's those two. Oh, would have never thought about that. Yep. Okay. There's two guys that actually played with Baker Mayfield. How weird is that? And they have stories. They can probably they probably did tell stories about that season because you know Broyles was around and was considered an up and comer at that point. Um, overall, what would you give the grade of this this spring spring game? I mean, with the play, the atmosphere, the recruits, everything. Oh, all things considered, mm-hmm. if we're looping in the atmosphere and the recruiting impact. Well, let's go play. play. I, let's just go play. Start with play, and then we'll do everything, okay. all things considered. Play, I'll, I'll say it's a B plus. You know, okay. there were things that could have gone better. There were yeah. things that could have gone smoother. Um, I was really B-. minus. <laughs> oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. yeah. On, the, well. on the speaker. Last, what do you think of the game? B minus? <laughs> what oh man but no it's it's one of those deals where you want to take everything with a grain of salt because it is an interest squad scrimmage Uh, i was really impressed with the tempo that's one thing we haven't hit on yet that offense moves fast and if they can move that fast and play efficiently in the fall they're going to give opposing defenses some problems because those offensive linemen already appear as if they're conditioned to keep that pace And so that's going to be a scary thing for defenses to contend with because they don't have time to sub. They got to make another play call Mm -hmm. on the fly. And so if you can maintain control and you can remain efficient while running an offense that is that fast and that up-tempo, man, Oklahoma is going to be a scary team in the fall. It all comes down to, again, whether they can maintain that pace of play for 60 minutes and whether – in doing it, they can remain efficient and continue to move the ball uh, at a progressively uh, effective clip. I think I think it's pretty obvious that there's a gap between Dylan Gabriel and all the rest of the quarterbacks, and that's nothing that wasn't unexpected, but uh, you can see why OU wants to bring in another quarterback via the portal is because if Dylan Gabriel goes down, knock on wood, things could get dicey. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like Nick Evers is very much still adjusting, still coming into his own. Um, he's He doesn't look to me like a guy that would be ready to lead a team this year. Uh, I think the way that, from what I observed yesterday, uh, I'm just not sure he's there yet in terms of processing, uh, in terms of scanning the field, going through his reads, uh, and having to... <laughs> having to worry about college edge rushers coming at him. So, right. Uh, and you didn't see anything real special from 
Ralph Rucker, Ben Harris, Micah Bowens made that nice throw, but he made a couple bad ones too. It, it, it makes sense why Oklahoma's in the market for another quarterback. I'll say that much. And so we've talked about it before, but Dylan Gabriel's health is paramount. Uh, defensively, I, I saw some good things. I saw some bad things. I was impressed with the way that they tackled. I think that is an area in which you, you see an immediate improvement. Uh, that was evident yesterday. I'll give the play a B plus. And I think, I think that's probably about accurate. If Brent Venables says it was a B minus, I think B plus is probably spot on for just about anybody not named Brent Venables. Yeah, that, I, w- I would probably say B, B, because I thought, you know, some of the hands to the face, some of the false starts, some of the things that, you know, I don't, I don't that you would think would be kind of cleaned up a little bit, but I get, I get that there was a lot of youth. There was a lot of mixing and matching of the players of the offensive line of the defense, the, the, the wide receivers, the running backs. So there's going to be mistakes made because there's guys getting more reps than they notoriously have gotten before. And I think that'll clean up as they go through fall camp and the summer and the fall camp and they get into game one uh, and, and they show that improvement because obviously early on in the season, they go up to Lincoln, Nebraska, it better be cleaned up by then, or they're, they're going to run into some issues there. Uh, Adrian Martinez is, is, uh, not there anymore, but Casey Thompson is waiting on him. Uh, and he's lit up Oklahoma before. So <laughs> he's he, he kind of knows what he's doing there a little bit. Um, the overall, atmosphere i would give an a plus i don't think you'll find it i don't think you'll find a better spring game a spring game atmosphere than the university of oklahoma it's not even close actually i think what oklahoma did is something that other programs wish that they could do and you saw georgia on the heels of a national title have sixty-eight thousand people I thought the funny thing was that USC puts out, there was 33,000 people at the Coliseum for our spring game. That's the biggest pile of crap I've ever seen in my life. Did you see the photos of that thing? Oh, uh, here we go. I watched it on TV. If that's 33,000, I know you had 100,000. And I'm not trying to get into that debate or anything like that, but dude, they went into that game knowing they had to compete with the University of Oklahoma because of everything that the Riley, the Venables, you know, the, the programs were they're they're trying to mirror each other right now because of where Riley came from and Grinch and everybody. So for them to come out and say something like that, just the, I mean, and nobody believed them. They were laughing that they would even have the gall to say 33,000 people. National media were mocking that. Like, you live in L.A., we get it. They don't care about college football there. You can't be a Mecca when they don't care. So, well, I guess we'll see. I think the Mecca still is in Tuscaloosa and in Athens right now. Until uh, said otherwise, maybe even Clemson, South Carolina a little bit. Until somebody says otherwise, those are the three Meccas of college football and Columbus and Norman are trying to chase them right now. That's the way it looks right now. What about Austin, Brandon? What about it? It's a nice college station. It's an industrial park. 
It looks like one. <laughs> Dude, don't get me going there, man. You know, I can, I can sit here and just say things that I was going to, my foot would be in my mouth. No, I, in all seriousness, I, I think Austin's a beautiful city. I think um, Texas is going to try, but you can do all the things you want. Culture is going to be a problem for them. It's been a problem for 15 years now, almost. So that hasn't changed. And Texas A&M, you got to win. Like, I think they have an awesome stadium. I will always and forever say that the atmosphere during the games are amazing. I will forever say that. But you got to win. And going eight and four is not going to cut it. They've got the recruiting classes to back it. Now do they have the quarterback play? That's always going to be the issue with Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Quarterback play is going to be the problem. Everybody's like, well, he's a good quarterback coach. Please tell us how great of a quarterback coach he is. Who outside of Jameis Winston has been just stellar under Jimbo Fisher? Help me out, Parker. Exactly. You don't, you're blank because there's just, my point is made. Chris, Christian Ponder, EJ Manuel. They were okay. <laughs> no, I, you're, you're exactly right. Like Jameis Winston has been the only elite quarterback that Jimbo Fisher has had over the years. And no, Kellen Mond was not elite. I, Francois I, was for like a year, but then he was never Andre Francois. I forget about him. Neck tattoo. Um, but no, I I have successfully uh, derailed whatever you conversation have. we were on. <laughs> you have. You did a good uh, mission, job of that. Mission accomplished there. What were we talking about you, before I Mecca, got we were you talking uh, about? We were talking tangent. about the atmosphere. Oh, the, uh, the, the meccas of college football, yeah. Yeah, but go ahead. The atmosphere, You A+. plus. Uh, go ahead and a plus. why you think it was a plus. an A+. Plus. Go for it. No, Break just it, it, it literally couldn't have gone any better. It was the best attended spring game in the country. There were 100-plus recruits there, and Brent Venables gave three – WWE style speeches to the crowd <laughs> and Baker Mayfield got his statue unveiled. Like what, what more did you want out of yesterday? And then, and then proceeded to, to mock Oklahoma state before he walks out of a presser. Only Baker Mayfield could do just, he's funny. That guy's hilarious, but he's why that's why the OU fans love him. That right there is why the OU fans love him. He's always got to be quick on his toes and he's going to say something that kind of raises your eyebrows and you're like, yeah, well, it was funny because it's coming from Baker. So um, let's talk recruiting. You brought up the recruits. What, what's been the overall, I mean, for me, it's been the atmosphere, the fans. Uh, they, they can't believe, I think one, one, I don't want to say the recruit yet because I, I got to get it up on OU insider. Let's just say he's a elite recruit top recruit and he said the first thing he can remember was he walked out onto the field and he turned to who was with him and he said can you believe this is a spring game oh my goodness and i think that kind of sums it up in a roundabout really, way for a lot of guys it really does and the amount oh my goodness brandon the amount of prospects that I talked to in the aftermath of that game that said something to the effect of Oklahoma is easily my number one school after that visit is remarkable. 
Like, mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name names. That's for all you insider VIPs. But, man, I, and we will have notes up all throughout the week on the fallout from Saturday afternoon. But the Sooners made huge leaps, huge mm-hmm. leaps with several prospects that they already were in decent standing with. But, uh, I mean, you can – and you can read between the lines with some of the crystal ball predictions uh, that have flown in over the last 24 hours. Some of these kids that were not necessarily heavy OU leans or OU leans at all prior to this visit left in absolute awe of the overall experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of there, a lot of them are still, we're recording this Sunday. A lot of them are still on campus. Like that's the thing people need to realize they, they're not leaving until in the evening. So here's what I wonder how many guys that visited Oklahoma yesterday don't end up coming back at some point for another visit, because I would be willing to bet the overwhelming majority, the overwhelming majority will make a return visit. I'd say 80% of them return. I think it's it. Yeah. At least. Um, I know one, player got an offer this is Davian Sims uh we'll talk about him 2024 four-star defensive lineman right now he's in Sherman Texas there's a good chance he actually ends up moving into the state of Oklahoma and finishing his high school career out Ooh. in the state of Oklahoma I don't want to get too deep into that because there's a lot of moving pieces there's hope that he can end up staying in Texas regardless he's on the border of Oklahoma and Texas so he's essentially an in-state recruit if you want to get down to it um, he's closer to Norman than he is to any other university and by a long shot. And so uh, lives in Denison or lived in Denison, moved to Sherman. Uh, but now there's a good chance, you know, Durant or somewhere around there could end up being a, a, a chance. Um, so, He got an offer. Zayvon Simmons got an offer, and he's going to come back and camp at Oklahoma June 1st and 2nd. And not only that, he's going to the Champion Barbecue as well that week. So I will be shocked if he's not a Sooner within the next few months. Like at that point, I feel that. I feel that. Now I'm going to wait and put the CBN potentially – later on but i have a really good gut feeling that sims and oklahoma are moving in a very fast-paced direction drop the so, crystal ball brandon just there, do yeah, it i probably will just drop actually. it i probably will um do so it. do it do it right now uh but yeah uh peyton kirkland i know everybody wants to talk about peyton kirkland he faced something like yesterday and it was I kept telling him, I was like, dude, go have fun. Stop FaceTiming me every time you're doing something. Like, it's like, he's been fun. That's Peyton, though. Everybody's got to know. If you know Peyton really well, that's just how he is. And so uh, he FaceTimed me when he got on the field, and he was with Derek LeBlanc, and we talked for a bit. And he said, bro, this is like crazy. He goes, the fans are about to walk in here. And he goes, they said this thing's going to be packed out. If it's packed out, man, I, I got to see it to believe it on the spring game. And he saw it and he said he couldn't believe it. he texted me that night. He said, K 
can you believe how loud that thing was for a spring game? I said, did you have fun? He said, absolutely. He goes, I can't wait to come back. People don't understand. The people, like I told you off air, nobody really believes Oklahoma's chances with him, but they're legit. They're legit. Florida is going to be tough to beat. I think that is without question. Miami's going to be tough to beat. The in-state programs are going to be hard to beat for him because he's out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips High School. But he, he loves Oklahoma. He's returning again within the, a little over a month from now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he returns again after that for another visit before he makes his decision, folks. Like, that's where things stand. Then you have Derek LeBlanc, who's already set up his visit June 2nd through the 5th through Oklahoma. So he's got another four days, second, third, fourth, fifth. He'll be in Oklahoma for another four days. And we'll see where that goes. He's still at Oklahoma right now. I have not talked to Ricardo. Hello, Ricardo. I know you're listening. I have not talked to Ricardo uh, LeBlanc, Derek's father yet. Um, about the trip, I, 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 sparingly we've talked, you know, text, stuff like that, but we haven't dove into it. Now, I, I want to say this before I go any further. Again, Florida, Miami, Penn State, Tennessee, like those are going to be tough programs for Oklahoma to outlast on this. Having said that, they're going to take another unofficial visit to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is in a really good position for LeBlanc. Now, can they close it out? Because if they can't close it out, he stays in state. And so we'll we'll see where it goes from there. I, I think Florida and Miami are battling hard. He's got an official setup for Penn State on the 17th. We'll see where things go from here. But uh, Oklahoma's positioned themselves decently. I think Michael Hawkins is another guy that I think Oklahoma's positioned himself decently. Uh, they're coming down to see him within the next week or two in the spring. And if that happens, I think Oklahoma offers the OU legacy at some point. If that happens, don't be shocked to see a few crystal balls be thrown in really quick if that takes place. Really quick. Michael um, Hawkins is that dude. His teammate he is that dude. Yep. And his teammate, five star, 2024, five star, edge rusher, Zena. Umizulu. So Umizulu is uh, another guy that's visited Oklahoma. And uh, I got to tell you all, A&M and OU are going to battle that one out again. I know you fans don't want to hear it, but he's already come out and said A&M and Oklahoma are my top two schools. So we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, there's a lot of guys. We're going to have a lot of information for you guys on OU Insider. Do you have any more, a few other guys you want to break down real quick? Just, just, uh, just vaguely. Gosh, no. You know what? I feel like I'm still juggling so many uh, mental. Uh, what, what, what do you even juggle, Brandon? I don't even know. Balls? The point is, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I was thinking like bowling pins or something okay, along fair that, enough. those yeah. lines. But I mean, if okay, well, regardless. I think we're going to save the vast majority of the analysis and the recruiting reactions for OU inside VIPs. I will say this Oklahoma made a big, big move yesterday with Nigel Smith, the four star defensive lineman out of Melissa, Texas. I am, I am fighting the urge right now to just go ahead and drop a crystal ball for him because 
I, Who is this? Con- this is Nigel Smith, mm-hmm. the four-star defensive lineman in the class of 2024. I'm holding off for now just because we know David Stone is all OU at this point. They're going to be the leader in the clubhouse for Zadavian Sims until further notice. And so at a certain point, I don't want to let myself get too overly optimistic that Oklahoma lands all these top defensive linemen in the class of 2024, though that possibility is very much on the table. Uh, Probably going to give it another few weeks, few months to see how things progress. But make no mistake, as of right now, OU leads for Nigel Smith. They already led before yesterday. That lead widened that Mm -hmm. lead widened at the spring game. So that is an example of a really, really high profile guy uh, that the Sooners made a big move for Alabama led for Mario Craver until yesterday. I can tell you that much. They don't anymore because OU left a huge impression on the five foot nine, 155 pound speedster out of the heart of Dixie. And he will be back. No question about it. As will many of his peers, Uh, They came from down south, uh, Florida, Mm -hmm. Alabama, Georgia. And like you mentioned, Brandon, we're still collecting reactions, still in the midst of back and forth conversations with so many of these kids. So there there will be much more coming on OU Insider over the next few days, as well as uh, some notes that I collected even before the spring game on a couple of players uh, that were not in attendance, but that are planning to get down to OU uh, in the near future. So... A lot will be on the plates of all of our VIP members at OUinsider.com. So if you aren't a VIP, now would be a great time to jump on board. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 60% off right now on OU Insider, and it's going to last through Tuesday and then extend for the draft. We're going to give you all a free day on Wednesday. So every member, every everybody, doesn't matter if you're a member or not, you get free VIP access on OU Insider, all across 247 Sports. You can go visit Texas, Alabama. It doesn't matter. If you want to go visit AM, it doesn't matter. Oklahoma State Board, the Arkansas Board, doesn't. All that doesn't matter. You're going to get, you're going to get all that access for free on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we go back to 60% off again. Uh, and it'll still be 60% off with the free. You can still sign up. So don't get that twisted. So right now it's 60% off. OU Insider are $42. Forty-two bucks gets you one hundred eight dollars in access. You do that for a year, and then you pay the seventy-five dollars or whatever it is for for the or, or whatever it is. I think it's one hundred. It's one hundred eight. Then you pay one hundred eight for the full access after a year, and you get Paramount Plus on top of that, which is another hundred dollar value. So you basically get one hundred nine dollars in value. Or $209 in value, excuse me, $209 in value for 108 after a year. So right now it's 42 bucks for you to get a whole year of OU Insider VIP. You'll get access to all the other VIP boards across all 250 sites on 247 Sports. You get daily news and recruiting notes. You'll be in front of all the breaking news before people post it out on Twitter. We, we will have all that for you on OU Insider. We'll have the video, the post-game pressers. We'll have everything that you want right there at your disposal, plus recruiting information, insider team notes as they go through uh, summer workouts, as they go through fall camp. We'll tell you the standouts, all that type of stuff. Uh, Champion barbecue. You'll get full coverage. We'll be at every OU home and away game. Everything we're going to do for you is right there on OU Insider VIP, and we cannot wait to see you all. We have grown by leaps and bounds over the last two years, three years. 
uh, were, I think, five times larger than we were uh, in 2018, six times larger, excuse me, six times larger than we were in 2018. And we're breaking uh, page views records, sessions records, member number of VIP members records, the number of OU fans on OU Insider. And that literally, we say it, and it's not to be braggadocious or anything like that. It's literally to tell you all, we appreciate you. What you've done for us has allowed us to do our job at a level we couldn't dream of doing. And that is all because you Oklahoma fans have allowed us by being members, by helping us out, and by also uh, asking us questions. Uh, we do everything we can for you to make sure you're the most in the know OU fan there is walking the face of the earth. You're that dude that everybody at the water, water cooler at work's like, hey, what's going on there? Well, let me tell you what my sources are telling me. You have your sources, and that source is OU Insider, and we can't be more thrilled to do that for you. I promise you. Thank you all so much for that. Um, but that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider under the visor Sooners Post Game Podcast. Look, guys, hey, Britt Venables says, hey, his, his time's here. Uh, that was one of the coolest spring games I've ever been to as a media person. I can sit there and say everybody in the press box was talking about how cool that was. And the post-game presser was cool. We the, the, the we got to talk to Baker. Uh, we got to talk to all the players. And we're going to have all that for you on OU Insider VIP. We hope to see you guys there. Uh, but for Parker Thune, my name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed day. We will see you later on this week for the actual OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast, where we will do the normal time and drop on Thursday. So see y'all later. Have a blessed day. Hope to see you guys on OU Insider VIP. Stay blessed.